Welcome everybody back to the Nuggets of Gold podcast and YouTube channel. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about this 49er Seahawks game. We're going to be talking about all of the the impact of the Trey Lance injury, what it means for this team right now, what it means for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and what it means for Trey Lance and his future as well. So we're going to get a lot into that. That's probably what we're going to start off the show with um, because it's kind of annoying, but you know, you kill the Seahawks in a game, and then the big storyline is your starting quarterback is out for the year. So it is extremely unfortunate. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, and then we'll wrap up the show, and we'll talk about this upcoming Broncos matchup, um, a Sunday night football matchup, and one that looks very intriguing because the Broncos have, frankly, looked kind of terrible up to this point. Um, but we're going to be talking about all of this stuff. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. Now, we're not going live this episode, but moving forward, we are planning to go live at 9 a.m. on Monday, pretty much every week. Now, if there's a Monday Night Football game, then that'll probably change up when we record. Um, but we should be going live every Monday morning. So if you guys want to hop on at 9 a.m., that's when we should be going live moving forward on Nuggets of Gold. But with that said, um, the big storyline from this game is Trey, Trey Lance is now down. Trey Lance is going to be out for the season. A um, lot of question marks in terms of kind of a finger pointing blame game of, oh, this is on Kyle for running his quarterback up the middle. Uh, people are happy that Jimmy Garoppolo is back. People are very upset that Trey Lance is back or is out. Um, I'm devastated for Trey Lance personally, because if we look at just where he's at in his career, he is now going to basically have played in between four to five games over the past four years, three seasons but four years if you count, you know, it, like the off seasons as well. So Trey Lance in his basically ages 19 to 22 has almost played zero football. And if we're going to look at this from a Trey Lance development standpoint, this is an absolute disaster for him because we were talking about before we got on, but Trey Lance needs the reps. You see that he is not playing up to necessarily NFL speed in those starts. Now, I don't think that either of us are, are out on Trey Lance or anything like that, but this is a significant blow for what his future kind of holds. So Aiden, what was your feeling about the Trey Lance injury and, and how do you think it's going to impact him first off? And then second off, how do you think it's going to impact the 49ers? Yeah. Number one, I was just so disappointed. Um, it's not like Trey was coming out and looking like prime Aaron Rodgers or, or anything like that coming out. But I don't think anybody who knows football in any reasonable capacity expected him to be that. Um, this was career start number four, This, I guess, this Seahawks game. Um, so like, it, it'd be a little bit concerning if the best that we ever saw of, of, of Lance was career start number four. He was only going to get better throughout the course of the season. Um, and it's, it's just such a give and take. Um, it, there's, there's so many things to consider with this injury. Cause you basically lose a whole year. Um, and kind of the first thing that pops in my head is what they're going to do with this rookie scale contract. Um, this, this is year two of five in his rookie deal. Um, and he won't start, hopefully fingers crossed. He, he, he starts more than two games next year. Um, he won't start his fifth game, uh, or 10th game until midway through next year. Um, so that's more than halfway through this rookie deal um, and gives the Niners even less time to figure out what they have. But for him, I mean, it's it's so, so tough. He needs to, um, I guess, make the most of this this opportunity that, that, that he's been, been given to really learn this playbook inside and out. Um, I'm sure that there'll be tons of nights where uh, he can't really move that 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 foot, and he's going to need to study. It's one of those things. It's it just sucks sucks for him. You'd rather get the game reps, but um, both of us have been incredibly critical of Jimmy Garoppolo over this past year, year and a half. I think we both are still in the the same boat. He's not perfect, um, but I think both of us would also say that tomorrow, like if if the Broncos come into town tomorrow, the Niners are a better team probably with Jimmy Garoppolo starting. Um, that's not to say by week 10 that Lance could have given the, the, the Niners that, that dimension that, that they were sort of missing. Uh, but the floor is just substantially higher. Um, and honestly, like I can see how some people around the league, you've, you've seen those reports, a couple anonymous NFL sources are like, they're better with, with, with Jimmy right now. I would, I would have to agree. Um, but I think a lot of that stuff is getting kind of blown out of proportion right now because Lance, 
isn't like he's he, he's not the refined version um, of the guy that hopefully we're going to be able to see over the next five, 10 years. Um, we're getting in on on the, the ground floor. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, but with Jimmy, I guess you know what what you have. Um, and I'm interested to see how the 49ers sort of fight this wrinkle of uh, teams just stacking the box and saying, Jimmy Garoppolo beat us. Uh, he's, he's, he's done it sometimes. He hasn't done it other times. Um, so I'm interested. I mean, that's, that's really what every 49er game comes, comes down to from now till, till the end of the year, uh, which at least we know what to expect, but, uh, takes a little bit of, of the, the dramatics out of it. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think I gotta be team, team Jimmy right now. Um, I mean, this season isn't over. We made the NFC title game last year with basically the same roster. Uh, defense looks amazing. Uh, there's an argument to be made that they're better than than the 2019 team at this point. Um, defensive line hasn't been quite as dominant as that group, but the secondary looks really good, and Jimmy Ward isn't even back yet. Um, so super excited to see what those guys can do do going forward. But I'm just so so gutted for Lance, and it, it raises substantially more questions for this 49ers team, front office, coaching staff uh, moving forward. So definitely not ideal, but. Um, I'm excited to see how, how they can make the best of it. Yeah. And I think you're definitely right when you're talking about like how it impacts this year's 49er team. I, I think that this year, if we're looking at it and we kind of take aside like what this means for Trey, I think it is a, the 49ers are in a better spot right now. Now it's really hard to project what Trey would look like in the late season, what all of those reps would add up to what that would mean for him how that would how he would be able to speed up kind of his play against the NFL because to be frank like and, and anyone that's listening to our show like you guys know I really like Trey Lance Aiden really likes Trey Lance a lot um, but he was not playing very fast in terms of if he's running the football like even look at some of these like power quarterback runs and stuff he, he can't beat guys to the edge he's not a very fast player and when he's in the pocket he looks a little lost a little bit like out of it sometimes where he's feeling pressure he's not sitting in the pocket not going oh boom this guy's open second read let's hit it like it takes some time he's I don't say he's a slow processor but adapting to the speed of the NFL was obviously a big step that he was going through so immediately you bring in Jimmy and Jimmy's going to be playing better um I don't know what it looks like later in the season but I definitely agree with that now if we kind of go to the flip side of it and we go, what does this mean for Trey Lance's development? Is this on Kyle Shanahan for hurting him? Is Trey Lance going to be a bust? Cause like, of course you're going to see a bunch of that throughout NFL media. Oh, look at this Trey Lance. It didn't work. It's over. And like you said, Aiden, this is four game. This is his fourth game. And people have already decided that Trey Lance is done. Now I mentioned it a little bit before, if you are going to have a quarterback that plays four or five games in the span of three seasons or four years, give or take, that is super hard to develop a quarterback like that. Now I've also seen some stuff where it's like, look at Kyle. Kyle did this fire Kyle because Kyle screwed up Trey Lance. Kyle didn't develop Trey Lance. This isn't all on Kyle. Now you can look at the play calls. You can go Kyle's running Trey Lance up the middle in some physical plays too often. I agree with that. I, I think that's a fair take, but Let's not look at this and go like, oh, this is on Kyle. Kyle's job is to try to make this offense work, try to win games. Now, Trey Lance, was he was struggling in a lot of the aspects of the offense where they couldn't sit back and just throw quick hitters. Immediately, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and the passing game is better. Why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo is experienced in the system. Jimmy Garoppolo can get the ball out very fast. Trey Lance was not doing that. So they were having to rely on his legs on this power like rushing offense to be able to do that stuff. And I think a lot of people are looking at like, oh, this is Kyle's fault. I don't want to say it's not like Kyle's not to blame at all, but I think people are just using Kyle as a scapegoat. Let's look at, okay, what about Trey Lance's performance? He's young, he's developing, but he's not playing at a high enough level for them to be able to move the football to win games without relying on his legs, on his physical running style. Would you agree with that, Aiden? Like they need him to do that? Yes. Yeah. And then we look and we go, okay, well, what about the draft pick? You trade all those picks. First of all, I want to say something really quick. Everyone freaking out like, oh, this is the worst trade, blah, 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 blah. If Trey Lance is a bust and these next two, this year and next year, the Niners make the playoffs and have deep playoff runs with Jimmy Garoppolo, those picks don't mean all that much. 
And in five years, we won't even really look at it as that big of a deal in the 49ers situation. So I think that is being completely overblown the exact same way that it was overblown for the Rams when they traded like four consecutive first rounders. And then, oh yeah, they won a Super Bowl. Check that out. How amazing. But it's also, if we're going to put blame on like how this situation has played out up to this point, I think it's more on John Lynch and the front office in terms of drafting a project quarterback when they do not have a clear enough plan of how they're going to make it work. And there were a lot of question marks. And I don't like, I also want to say like, I don't, I'm not like being like, oh, this is all on John Lynch or this is all on Kyle Shanahan. But I'm saying as a collective unit, it is, it is way more reasonable, reasonable in my opinion to say this is partially on Kyle, partially John on John slash front office and partially on Trey in just in terms of his performance than it is on just Kyle alone. Now, the reason that it's going to be a lot of it's going to be blamed on Kyle is because of the RG3 situation. So I get it. Like, I get that everyone is upset because he is hurt, but I don't know what Kyle's supposed to do in terms of, and this was said by, by John Middlecoff on his podcast. What do you want Kyle to do? Go out there and just have Trey start trying to rip deep outs and plays across the middle that he's not going to hit and just go three and out every time? Like, no, they need him to be able to do that. They need a dynamic running offense. Um, up to that point, I think it was 12 carries in the game, or maybe it was 16, I think. And they think it was 12 carries. And, Three had gone, I, th- I think it was three had gone to Debo, Trey, Wilson, and then uh, Davis Price. So, like, it was split evenly. Like, they're running the ball in such unique ways, and they're doing such such interesting stuff with the rushing attack. They had to do that because Trey was going to struggle to consistently sit in the pocket and just hit plays across the middle, hit, hit these easy throws. Does that mean he's going to always struggle in that? No. But it does take time. And, like, I haven't heard someone that, like, really, really knows football well that has looked at this and gone, this is all on Kyle. I have yet to see one person that has worked in an NFL like room or is not like a media personality opposed to like a football guy that has looked at this and said, this is on Kyle. I, I have yet to see one person say that. I don't know if you have Aiden, um, but I just think it's kind of outrageous to be like, this is all on Kyle. Is it partial on Kyle? Yeah, I, I think it is partial on Kyle. I don't want them running a quarterback power as much as they have been. And you were watching the game, and you're going, inevitably, he's going to get hurt. And then guess what? He shatters his ankle. So, like, I get it, but it's also not just on Kyle. And you and saying, oh, it's on Kyle, fire Kyle, is an absurd take. And you're really just using him as a scapegoat, in my opinion. I actually, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I don't think really anybody deserves any sort of blame. If I'm Kyle, I'd probably do the same thing. I run quarterback power is part of why you picked Lance um, and you see Josh Allen do it in Buffalo now for forever. Cam obviously had, had some injuries, but a lot of that was sacks and the RG three thing. Like he, he got hurt the first time, the really bad time when he was like picking up a fumbled snap. It, it wasn't like he was running and it was a designed play. Like, and even, even this, this Lance play, like he, he, the same thing could have happened on a scramble. Same thing could have happened on a sack. It's, I, I actually have zero problem with Kyle running that many quarterback powers in hindsight. It doesn't look great. I think that that's fair. Um, but like, that's part of the reason that you moved up to get this guy. So you could use his, his legs. It's, I mean, it's not like he was running the ball 25 times a game. Uh, but I think even like prime Lance, if, if we ever get to that, I'd love to see him run some quarterback powers. I think he should run the ball eight, eight to ten times a game. Because uh, as as we saw on that third and six, like the Seahawks were not ready for a quarterback power on sort of an important play where they picked up the the, the first down, um, and you you could see how that that made a positive impact on the effect of the game. And that's something that Jimmy Jimmy's best skill is his quarterback sneaking, but he is not a running quarterback. Well, real quick, what about the one last week against the Bears? What was it, third and 13? And Lance yes. goes and picks it up. Exactly. So um, I, I, like, I think a lot of that is people reacting and thinking back to this RG3 thing and really not knowing what they're talking about. Um, these situations are, are different. And the way the Washington thing ended wasn't really because of the RG3 injury. It was because of the owner and him kind of abusing Kyle's dad and um, that that relationship souring. 
more than anything on on the field. Um, so, I mean, you 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 talked about the front office potentially not having a clear enough plan. Um, I think that that for some at, at at some level could could be true. But even with the most clear possible plan, like it was going to look like this for the first couple of weeks anyway, like nothing surprised me in a negative way over these these first couple of weeks. It was pretty much exactly uh, what I expected. Some ups, some downs. Ceiling is higher. Floor is definitely lower. Uh, but you're going to deal with the growing pains because even if it's not this year, next year, the year after, you're a better team moving forward. Um, and I think a lot of people look at this 49ers roster, and I think it's fair. It's, it's a tough give and take. Do you want to sacrifice a year where – you have a Super Bowl contending defense to develop your rookie core, rookie basically quarterback. Um, the Niners decided it was worth the risk, um, and now they're kind of forced to go back to this last year um, sort of approach where you you got a guy who knows he's probably gone at the end of this year, um, and there's there, there's pros to that. I think that we both um, have have said that the Niners are better right now, um, and they're. I, I think that they, this gives them a much higher chance of just making the playoffs. Um, obviously, with with Lance, I think that if they make the playoffs, they could make the Super Bowl. And with Jimmy, while that's possible, I think the chances of that are lower. And Vegas agrees. Um, the Niners' line to win the Super Bowl went from I think plus sixteen hundred before the injury to plus two thousand after. Um, so I think that should say something. Um, but I mean, I just think it's a hor- like. Football injuries are going to happen. It's just kind of a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. Uh, but for those saying you should never run the quarterback, whose career would you rather have, Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers? I think everybody would pretty much say you, you'd you rather have Cam, MVP. Neither won a Super Bowl, um, but I, it's, it's part of what makes a guy like that so good. So you should never uh, take that completely out of your playbook, and you should leverage the the reason why you moved up to this guy at at, at three, if if Kyle just wanted a, a guy to stand in there and make passes and that's it, um, he he wouldn't have said those those things that he said about Josh Allen a couple years ago, and they and they would have just picked Mac Jones at twelve probably. Um, so I I think a lot of it is blown out of proportion, and a lot of it is people not really knowing what what they're talking about. Dude, and and I, I like that you bring this stuff up too. But also, like, and then you heard Kyle's presser where he's like, "Yeah, it was a it was a quarterback option. He co- took it." And you see, guys do this all the time. But he said, "Like, you guys should probably watch some other teams," um, which definitely frustrates some people. And people are like, "Oh, Kyle's acting like a child and all that stuff." Dude, what do you want him to say? Yeah, I ran my quarterback into the ground. Like, no, like we we knew that that was the plan with with Trey and. I, I think for me, my, my personal thought is I think I would like to see them do it a little bit less. I thought they were doing it quite a bit, but I also understand why they were doing it. And that's why I brought up the front office questions of like, hey, you probably shouldn't have your quarterback be running this much power. Now, one thing that is not getting talked about about this whole situation is, and this is not on Kyle. This is not on the 49ers. This is more on Trey than everyone than ever, anyone else. Trey doesn't avoid contact. You know why Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt on running running plays? Because he never gets hit cleanly. No one ever rolls on him. He's able to drop really quick. Justin Fields basically said after the game, like, yeah, I got to get Trey like my guy that can teach him how to slide because he doesn't know how to slide. He doesn't slide. He just runs into guys. And so that's another aspect of it. Like, look at how he gets hurt. He doesn't get hurt because he gets hit or whatever. He gets hurt because someone rolls on him and all the weight goes onto his leg. I I mean, that's at least what it looked like um, when they showed the replay. Like, it looks like, he doesn't get necessarily break his leg on impact, but it's when he gets turned and like rolled over. Um, that's like all the, like maybe outside of Josh Allen, because Josh Allen doesn't really slide that much either in all honesty. Um, but a lot of the guys that run Kyler Murray and they're quicker, granted they, they are quicker, Lamar Jack and those guys, but they're able to get down. They're able to drop to not necessarily avoid contact altogether, but avoid hard contact, avoid weight falling on their legs. Justin Fields, we saw it on Sunday Night Football. He, I mean, he threw for 70 yards, but he made a couple of nice plays on it with his legs. Never gets, like, destroyed, you know? Like, he's always avoiding a lot of contact. So that's something that I thought Trey was going to work on a little bit more in the offseason. Because last year when we saw him come out and there was a lot of hard contact, it was like, dude, this is not sustainable at all. Like, you got to learn how to drop. You have to learn how to slide. Another thing 
when you do learn how to learn how to slide and you do learn how to drop at the right time, say you run one of those plays and you drop two yards before the line, before the first down on second and eight, right? You pick up six and you slide and then defender comes in and hits you. That's 15 yards. How often do we see that in today's NFL? So like there are so many more benefits of being able to drop down and do that. And quarterback power, you can still do the same thing. The Ravens run so much quarterback power with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has been hurt one time so far. This is what his year four, year five, right? And it was on a passing play where both of his tackles were out and someone clipped his ankle and he had a little like ankle sprain. It wasn't a significant injury. Lamar runs that like more than any other player and he's still yet to have a significant injury on a rushing play. So you got to look at it on style. You got to look at it a lot more than just like, oh, Kyle killed his quarterback because I don't, I don't think that's fair at all. Um, and Aiden, I like that you kind of brought up of like, yeah, like, of course, they're going to use his legs. That's part of his game. I like the Cam Newton comparison. Um, and I think part of that, like, yeah, Cam, Cam Newton is a guy like not a super long shelf life at quarterback. Um, but Cam Newton also didn't develop enough as a passer as that went on. And that's part of the reason that they couldn't ever get away from that aspect of Cam's game. So I think if you look at Trey and, and that's why ultimately this, it sucks so much because like I ha- now have way larger question marks about Trey's overall development because of the lack of games played over these past three seasons. And, and that's where I'm concerned about. Um, but yeah, I don't think that you, we can look at this and go, this is Kyle's fault. And if anyone listening thinks that this is Kyle's fault, like give me a reasonable answer for why it's Kyle's fault specifically, besides being like, you can't run quarterback power because teams run quarterback power all the time. And they do not have the same issues. Like they, they really don't. Um, I did see that someone said that like Trey Lance was on pace to have like way more rushing attempts than Josh Allen has ever had. Trey Lance is also taking off on passing plays way more than Josh Allen does. And we are a game and 10 minutes into the season. We are not at the halfway point where that projection really matters all that much at this point. Like we're just kind of guessing right now. I don't know if that's even right. Cause Josh had 15 carries in week one and Trey only had 13. So I don't really know if that's right. I think it was like, I also think it was like, over, like the uh, Josh Allen's career high in prior uh, seasons. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where so like, it, it sucks that it happened, but I don't think you, you spend time pointing the, the, the finger on whose fault it was. And I, it's, it's very strange to me. Like everybody should feel bad for the kid does rain raise some question marks about his development going forward. But I mean, you could look at this like a negative or you could look at it like a positive. He gets a whole nother year to really learn this whole system. And while he does need the game reps, um, I think we should expect him to be better next year than we saw him this year. Stuff should slow down a little bit more. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's tough, but um I love that you say that because one of my friends who's a Bills fan who watched Josh Allen turn into Josh Allen, <laughs> he goes, and, and I hung out with him yesterday after after the whole Niners game and everything, and he goes, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that this might, and he goes, of course, we don't know yet. But he goes, I think this actually might be kind of a blessing in disguise. He goes, obviously, terrible for Trey. Sucks. And there's big time question marks about his development. But he goes, I don't think he was ready at this point which guess what guys, that is a fair take. Like Trey Lance is Trey Lance is the rawest quarterback ever drafted in the history of the NFL. We've talked about this before rawest ever. And he goes, look, man, you get Jimmy. You're probably getting better this year. And Trey does get to do a lot of film work, a lot of stuff like that where, and I, we don't know how it's going to look yet. We, we we're just projecting, but he might come in next year and look significantly better. And the game speed might be there a little bit higher where we go. Oh, wow. Like, this actually allowed him to kind of sit behind two years. And there are guys that have sit behind two years. We know Rodgers sat for a long time, and his, his career played out pretty fine in terms of how he ended up turning out. Um, Trey's also still only 22 years old. Like, we talked about the, the rookie contract. That is a big, like, iffy thing. If Trey's worth a massive contract, then you're happy that you have Trey Lance because he's worth a massive contract. So I think in terms of development, like, I think it does overall hurt, and it could it could be detrimental. But it could also be something where you look back and we go, well, the Niners were actually better in 2022. And then in 2023, maybe it wasn't 
necessarily like Trey didn't have all that year to get those game reps and get to the point where he would be at in 2023, but they were so much better in 2022 that 2023, it was like his first like year of like getting that experience. And he was good enough where they were still winning games. And it was like a much better thing. So I obviously don't, I, I don't think pointing thing. I think you're exactly right. I don't think pointing fingers really does anything at this point. Like, I think it's just kind of like an exercise, like of like, Oh, it's Kyle's fault. Like, like I said, I, I still have not heard someone that really understands football being like, Oh, this is Kyle's fault. This is why. Can you be upset that he got hurt? Of course I'm upset that he got hurt. I think we're all upset that he got hurt. Um, but it's just like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think that we can solely blame, blame Kyle. I think if you're like, Hey, I don't like that. They ran too much quarterback power. That's fair. But the reason they're running quarterback power is because they had to move the football to win, to win games. And they were not going to do that without running the football up the middle as much as they were, in my opinion. Does any coach, does, does any coach get more like fire, fire this, this coach when, when things go bad than, than Kyle? Cause there was talk to file fire Kyle last year, like a little bit before Thanksgiving. Um, and the Niners turned around and made the NFC championship. Like, I feel like this dude gets so much hate. And a lot of it's because of that 28 to three Super Bowl and then the the Chiefs Super Bowl. It's so strange because he's done such a good job with this roster, with this team. Um, and I still think he's one of the best play callers in the entire league. Um, it's isn't that weird? Like we're not going to get anybody better on the open market. Um, And I mean, honestly, like you, I think, I think that that you made a very good point about Lance and going into next year could be much slower. Um, And hopefully fingers crossed. I think you and I both hope that this is the last year of Jimmy Garoppolo. He won't, he won't have Jimmy breathing down his neck. There won't be media guys being like, Oh, when is Jimmy going to play? When is Jimmy going to play? When is Jimmy going to play? It'll be, it'll move to should they have kept Jimmy? But if he plays well, like even that'll shut up um, and there'll be less, I guess, constant attention on, on him. And he'll just be able to go out there and, and play because uh, the the NFL at its most basic, it's really just a game. Um, and sometimes you can um, make things bigger than than they are. And I don't know if that's something that, that Trey did. Uh, but I think that that's only another positive where he'll, he'll have one less. Uh, thing to worry about going into next year assuming uh and i still think that that is the the plan maybe if jimmy goes and leads us to a super bowl win you turn it on its on its head but um i think that that would be surprising to me and as long as we we win a super bowl that's an acceptable trade i would be a huge jimmy fan for the rest of my life uh, as long as we win a super bowl because that's what it's all about but uh, I would I'd be surprised if this really changes the long-term plan going forward. Um, so to have Jimmy out of there next year, Jimmy kind of gets a farewell send-off tour. Um, I think it'll be interesting moving forward. And it, like like you you said, it could end up even being a good thing. Yeah, it's just it's hard because it's so fresh right now too. It's like, and I think that's why people are people are like, are you kidding me, Kyle? Like you kept running quarterback power. I felt like if we were going to run quarterback power, he was going to get hurt, which is fair. But I think like people are like. Probably when Lamar came out, they were like, dude, if you keep running quarterback power with Lamar, Lamar's going to die. And it's like, well, Lamar still hasn't got hit, like, square up in the NFL. And it's been four years, five years. Like, there there are guys like that. Like, and another thing, too, is, like, we're talking about Trey Lance, season-ending injury. You know who else has had a season-ending injury? Basically, every single player in the history of the NFL. <laughs> like, dude, like, who hasn't? Who has not had a season-ending injury? Rodgers. Dude, Brady. Man, Manning almost retired because of a neck injury. Like, Andrew Luck retired early. Like, let's not act like injuries aren't a part of the game either. Like, that is also something. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? How many times has he got hurt and he's not – they're not running the football with him? Like, so I, I think it's tough. I think that's just kind of like a – kind of a snap decision of like, oh, this is on Kyle. I think most people – I think most people are blaming Kyle too, Aiden. Like, I, I really do think that. And I think it's right how you're saying, like, how he's so scrutinized. Um, and we've talked about this before, but 28-3 – yeah, guess what? It's partially on Kyle. You know who else it's on? Dan Quinn and the defense for allowing like 35 points in like 20 minutes. That's also kind of on them too. Um, like part of the game is is setting stuff up. And if you talk to people that – like if you ask people in the league, like coaches in the league, who's the best offensive – who's the best offensive mind? Who's one of the best head coaches? You know what Bill Belichick said? He said Kyle is the best guy outside of him. 
and that if he expected anyone to produce a dynasty outside of him, it would be Kyle. Dude, like, what do you guys like? What do you guys want? Also, as Niner fans, bro, we've seen some bad teams, man. We have seen some bad teams outside of Harbaugh and the Shanahan years. We've seen coaching carousels. It has been an absolute mess since the Jerry Rice years, dude. Like, I don't know. So I don't get it at all. I think it's I think it's kind of crazy, but I, I'm totally with you in terms of that um, on kind of the blame game, I guess. But let's talk a little bit more about this actual Seahawks game. Um, this is one where if we look at, okay, who's the big winners of this game? I think it's very clear the 49ers defense because the defense pitched a shutout. This game should have been 30 to zero if you take away a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. 30 to zero, which sucks because we're looking back in this game and we're like, man, this is a, a big blow. But it's like, yeah, you also just won the game 30 to zero against a team that you literally just have not been able to beat ever for some reason, even when they're not good, even when guys are hurt, whatever the case is. You just can't beat the Seahawks. This this year they come in and they absolutely take care of business. Um, the defense looks great. You saw Drake Jackson get in there on a play. Uh, Nick Bosa has two sacks, and Talanoa Hufunga looks like an absolute animal at that safety spot. Remember when Kwaski Tark got cut a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, and it was like, should Niners go scoop him? And it's like, yeah, maybe they should. No, no. You got a stud at safety. When Jimmy Ward comes back, this will be the best defensive backfield, if, assuming that the corners are stay healthy, that the Niners will have rolled up in the Kyle Shanahan era with – a defensive line that has four or five first-rounders, and Drake Jackson, who's basically they had him graded as a first-rounder. So, like, your defensive line is stacked. Your linebackers are stacked. You just extended Drake Greenlaw, who I will say looked absolutely abysmal against the Bears, but he looked a lot better this week. Um, but this defense is legit. You brought up earlier on when we were talking that this defense looks like it could be, like, pretty similar to the 2019 defense. Dude, it is deeper. This is this defense is one of the best defensive rosters overall in the NFL. Um, but this is a big win. And you take away kind of the the injury. And if you just if you separate that from the game, it, we would be so hyped. Like if Trey doesn't get hurt and he plays this game, it's this exact same football game. We're leaving this going, oh my God, this team is Super Bowl bound. This team is that we're super hyped. We're talking about, oh my God, they just killed the Seahawks, blah, 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 blah. But what are your overall takeaways from this game? And, and where do you see kind of like, what do you see as the important pieces of this outside of the, the injury, of course? Yeah, uh, I think you hit it right on the head. Defense looked really, really good. Hufunga looks like another fifth round hit. He was a guy that we were really excited about when, when he got drafted. Um, and he's one of those rare guys who plays faster than his speed when the lights are on, when when the game's being played. I feel like I was I was listening to the, to the broadcast because I was driving. Um, and then I re rewatched the game after, but Mark Schlereth loves how Hufunga is like, he, he's involved in every single play. It's sort of ridiculous. Um, even the, the, um, I think he forced or he had a tip that led, led to a pick. Uh, he's, he's just around the ball all the time, uh, making big hits, cutting around people. Um, he's an absolute animal and I think it's so good that his skill set fits so well with what Jimmy Ward does. Jimmy Ward is a really good cover guy. Um, and while he's a solid tackler has, he's struggled with forcing turnovers and, and making big plays. Uh, that's something that Hufunga does really, really well. Uh, and if they keep Darver Tarverius more around, that's a third guy where I think you can play him. You feel pretty confident and, Hufunga can can work all around the field. He can play that kind of that, that third linebacker spot. He can play just really like a rover role, uh, sort of like a Derwin James. Um, and that's really exciting to me. But sort of the, the, the biggest winner of this um, game for me was the offensive line. They looked so much better. Um, I think the lack of a monsoon probably helped a little bit. Um, but they looked really, really good. I got to see some Trent, Trent Williams pancakes, which are always fun. Uh, but the interior offensive line was like very, very impressive to me. They had a couple plays where miss miscommunications, which I think comes down to Brendel. He's he he's playing center, but I mean, I they they showed me what they can look like going forward, um, and kind of the identity of what this this team's going to be, uh, which was exciting because 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like I mentioned earlier, if, if we can run the ball against some of these stacked boxes um, and sort of win games, even with Jimmy not really stretching the field quite as much as Trey could. Um, so I think the, the Niners are going to look pretty similar to how we saw them uh, last year. I think Debo's stock goes up, especially with Elijah Mitchell still out. Um, if somebody wants to trade him to you in fantasy, I think that that's a no, no, no brainer move. Um, but I mean, that was, those, those were, were, were the two biggest winners for me. Yeah, dude, I'm, uh, I'm completely there with you. I think if we're looking at this, the Seahawks defensive line really isn't that bad either. Cause like, I think that would might be one, one thing that you would bring up is like, oh yeah, like the offensive line looks good, but it's not a very good team that you're playing against. That's true. The Seahawks are not a very good team. However, the Seahawks even the line, they actually have a couple guys that are pretty solid. Daryl Taylor is pretty solid. Al Woods is a pretty good run stuffer. And keep in mind, I'm thinking more of this like in terms of run blocking, right? Like, cause that's where I mean the whole second half was literally just running the football over and over again and just kind of suffocating the Seahawks defense. Um, did they what did they they scored one touchdown in the second half? And it was just more of like, yep, we're just gonna slowly eat the clock away, and you guys aren't able to do anything on offense. So that's what we're gonna kind of do. But I think that's a great point uh, about the the Niners O-line because we didn't record last week, unfortunately. Dude, I left that game going, forget Trey Lance. Forget about, like, how he looked. The offensive line looked terrible. And that's why I was nervous. I was like, dude, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. If your offensive line is this bad, like, that's going to lead to problems whoever whoever's under center. Um, and they definitely took a, had a big step up in this one. Um, also, a couple other guys that looked pretty good. I mean, Jeff Wilson looked pretty good. We know who Jeff Wilson is at this point. Um, Davis Price. I thought he had some decent bursts. I know he only rushed for like a little over two yards per carry, but I was watching him. I was like, you know, I, I kind of like some of these, these runs that he's had. I feel like he looked decently explosive. I would say um, also shows that he's the guy um, as that number two's back for a couple, couple months. Um, another guy looked really good. Another guy, maybe the box score doesn't really point it out. Right. Brandon, Ayuk looked like freaking monster dude. Like Brandon, Ayuk had five catches for 63 yards. Okay. Not that big of a deal. He also had an additional like 50 yards and one of them brought the ball to the one yard line because they could not like whoever was on him could not hang with him. They were grabbing like he drew a couple flags like he looked really good. I think every single time I, I believe he had five catches on five targets that he might have had six. Sorry, five catches on seven targets with two flags. I believe that's what it was. So every time they went to him, he delivered like that's a clutch thing. Um, early on the game, he had a, a play in space where he basically broke down the DB or linebacker. I forgot who it was. And then picked up, you know, 15 extra yards after he did that. Like he looks a lot better this year, um, which is a huge sign for this offense. Because you brought up Debo. I totally agree. I think Debo will be more of the focal piece of this offense now. So maybe like in terms of fantasy, at least where I was at, it's maybe a little bit of a stock down for Ayuk. But for the 49ers, it's a, wow, we got Ayuk and Debo and they're clicking and we got this run game. We haven't even seen Kittle yet in this offense. Like, okay, now it's looking pretty good. The defense is pitching shutouts and let's not act like, okay, yeah, the Seahawks offense isn't good, but pitching a shutout in the NFL is unheard of in today's game. They did that. I know the, the Seahawks have seven points. It was the blocked field goal. So their defense still pitched the shutout. That's incredible. So I think you, you're going in and you're playing against the guy next week where – Russell Wilson has absolutely killed this team. They're going to have to work it out for you. Every time the Niners play Russell Wilson, it's like, oh, look, Russell Wilson does this, and Russell Wilson does that. Um, but going into that game, I think now like you leave this one as like, in terms of what we saw on the field, non-injury related, this is about as perfect as it can get. Like, I wouldn't have asked for anything more. Um, the, all three units for the Niners looked really good on defense. And that is something that's so sick to see because last year, the Niners finished as a top five defense in the NFL. The year before in 2020, when you don't have Bosa, they finished as a top five defense in the NFL. Now imagine if you don't have Josh Norman. Dude, okay, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Who was the other guy besides Norman last year? It was Norman and who was it? The guy that they signed for a couple weeks. It was so bad. Um, What's his name? He went to, it wasn't Denard, was it? No, it was. Oh my! He's been around the league for a while. I don't know why yes. his name. Um, I know, I know who. You know who I'm talking about, dude. Yeah, he yeah. he looked worse. He looked. He got cut like yeah. after like his first game he played. Like you don't have that corner. 
You got Chivarius Ward or Mooney Ward. Um, who even like, dude, even Mooney Ward allowed a bunch, like Lockett had a great game. He allowed a bunch of yards to Lockett. Didn't matter really at the end of the day. E-Man looks like a stud. I mean, E-Man is one of the best pieces Niners have ever picked up like in, in the Shanahan era. E-Man is just turning into a absolute baller. You have Hafunga. You don't have Jimmy Ward back. The linebacking quarter is, is legit, is elite. The defensive line is elite. Like all of a sudden you have a good secondary with an elite front seven in both departments. That's, that's a recipe to win a lot of games. That's a recipe to produce a ton of turnovers. Um, I'm really hyped to watch this defense just eat for the rest of the year. The 49ers are able to run the football well. They they have a shot. They have a shot this season, even with the injury. Like that, it's it's going to be fun to watch for the rest of the year. And and any opposing, any offensive coordinator, anyone who's going against the Niners moving forward, just saw this game and went, shit, this is going to be tough. And the rest of the NFC is not looking awesome. Uh, the Buccaneers, they have major question marks on offense. Their their defense looks very good, but. Like if, if you can pressure Brady with four and I think the Niners can like you're, you can beat him. Um, You're going to need to score on that defense. It's a really, really good defense. Um, But I mean, I'm, it's exciting to see uh, sort of what it's, it's basically running back last year because I think that they had the Rams on the ropes last year um, and they, they, did not execute late and ended up losing. But I think um, the Niners walked out of that game saying we can beat these, these guys considering that they had beat them like six out of the last seven times. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I, it, it, it's, it's going to come down to how well uh, they can run the ball um, and how Jimmy plays against some of those stacked boxes. Cause you have the weapons now I think Danny Gray, um, even if Jimmy doesn't hit a whole lot of deep balls, just him being out there, I think, does something uh, to take the top off off the the defense. Uh, he got targeted on that fourth and eight play, uh, where I think they were just trying to get a, like a PI call, um, but he was the one that that got targeted. Ray Ray McLeod, we haven't seen him do a ton of stuff out of the backfield yet. Um, I think that stuff could increase. Um, but I mean, this this team's going to go as as far as Jimmy can take them. Um, and as, as we've seen, that can be pretty far indeed. Um, so I think that that's a very good point. You was going to say, are you ready for uh, the, the weak NFC? Maybe we'll get a, a playoff game where Jimmy throws six or eight passes this year. Because, dude, the NFC is not good. It, every single team in the NFC looks like they have like a really bad weakness in some regard. The Buccaneers' offensive line is awful, is terrible, dude. And they're already dealing with a bunch of injuries. Um same thing with the Rams, dude. The Rams' offensive line is terrible too. They almost, they almost blew the game to the Falcons. Like, so there's a lot of just question marks, and and those are the clear two top teams. Like, there's some other teams. I think tonight we're recording this on Monday. Tonight's game is going to be super exciting because you got Vikings against Eagles. Those are two teams I think are not really getting, not really recognized of like how good these teams actually are. Um, I do want to go back one more thing. Aaron Banks. Highest graded offensive player yesterday in the game. That's pretty impressive because he's one of the big question marks. You talked about Brendel, like the the Niners allowed, I think it was two pressures last game. Like that's that's something that's big. Now the good thing is you're running the football out, you're playing ahead. If you can play ahead on schedule like that and you don't have to rely on like, all right, Jimmy, we need to start slinging this rock, you need to start pushing the ball outside the numbers. But guess what? If your defense is shutting people because okay, think about the Niners season last year, kind of two halves, right? One half you have like horrible DB play. And that's when they were losing. Other half, they have okay DB play. Okay. And it was completely different for how those games would turn out. If you have now good DB play along with a better D line and better linebacking core because the Aziz and Dre were banged up last year. Like, that's crazy. So the big thing also, like you bring up how far Jimmy can take you also what the injuries are too. I mean, injuries of, that's NFL, like, the biggest thing I feel like almost every single year is who's healthy. Like that's almost always what it is. And then like you have teams that are really good and it's like, Oh, they're not in the mix. Why? Well, because this guy and this guy and this guy got hurt and all of a sudden they couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I, I thought this was a, a great win for the 49ers. Now going a little bit into this, uh, sorry, not Seahawks. Game. Now going a little bit into this Broncos game. I am excited for this one because 
I think that this is a team, if you would ask me week before week zero, before the, the year started, right? Heading into the season, what is a game that's like going to be like a crazy one? It's going to be hard for the Niners to win. I would think this Broncos game would be tremendously hard because Russell Wilson has played the Niners extremely well through his entire duration in Seattle. Um, but I've watched both of these these Broncos games pretty closely. Of course, the Monday night game against the Seahawks. Um, but last week's game against the Texans, the Broncos were really underwhelming. The Broncos do not look good right now. And they're about to play the Niners, who, yes, they have a quarterback change. Yes, they have some stuff. But if anything, it's probably going to be a little bit more um, like – consistent like they're gonna have more consistent play from that quarterback position with jimmy back there um definitely not the upside we've already talked about that earlier but the broncos coaching staff i have some big time question marks and what we've seen is when kyle and D'Amico or sala either one go against poor coaching staffs they decimate them they absolutely destroy them nathaniel hackett up to this point and it's two games in Dude, it looks horrible. This looks as bad as like any like first two games I've seen from a new like coaching staff, honestly. They look completely lost. Um, there was a play against the Texans where they ran on third and one a tight end run option where Javante Williams was the option player and 83, I think it was 83 on the Broncos ran an option play. You have Russell Wilson, bro. Use Russell Wilson on third and one. He's going to pick that up for you like every single time. Um, they already have some injuries. Judy should, I guess, be back. Pat Sertain was banged up in that last game. Um, but in terms of the Niners meeting a team at the right point in the season, before before the year started, I, I was talking about this. I don't know if I talked about it with you, Aiden, but I said, man, thank God we got the Cardinals late in the year because the Cardinals late in the year is completely different than the Cardinals beginning of the year. I'd rather play them late. It makes it a lot easier to win those games. Well, this one is almost the inverse. You have a new system. You have new coaching staff. These guys are not gelled together. And they're they're looking really bad early on. This is their second primetime game of the year, and they're about to go against one of the most physical teams in the league against the 49ers. I think this is one where I don't know. I'm gonna check right now. I don't know if the 49ers are favorited. Um, but this is one where I think the 49ers have a, a pretty clear advantage. So I am pumped for for this game coming up next weekend. But what are kind of the areas that you're looking at of like, okay, this is what's gonna decide this game? Uh, I think we we talked about it a little bit earlier. It's going to come down to how the Niners go against a eight eight man box, uh, seven man box, and if they're able to run the ball, and if not, if Jimmy's going to be able to throw them out of that stacked box. Um, that's what pretty much every game is going to come down to. Uh, Jimmy's done it in the past. He's not done it in the past. Um, so hopefully he's he's able to do it. Um, but. I probably am not as confident as you are going into this game, just given it's so early in the season. Sometimes you just need a switch to flip. Um, and I guess I, this sort of lead up is sort of reminding me of that, that Rams Niners game last year, the one where the Niners, the media all loved the Rams Niners were three and five. Um, and the Niners came and took them to town, basically beat them by 20. And that's what turned the season around. Um, so I'm sure that that's what, Hackett and, and his coaching staff will say is this is a very physical team. Um, Sunday night football. I think the Rams Niners game last year was a Monday night game. Um, it's prime time. Um, and I, I could see the Broncos getting up for this game uh, a little bit more than the 49ers do. I hope that that's not what happens. Uh, I think the 49ers are a better team who have looked better and they match up pretty well. Um, but it's not like the Broncos don't have playmakers. I think Javante Williams is an absolute monster. Um, that's probably some some UNC bias showing, um, but I think he's really, really good. Russell Wilson's going to figure it out, um, and even if Judy doesn't play this week, um, they still have Sutton. I think they still have KJ Hamler. Um, it's not like they don't have weapons, so um, I'm not – like, I'm, I'm – cautiously optimistic about this this game but i um after being lulled into the 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 bears trap um i'm not gonna go and and predict a 30 point mauling um so yeah no no okay i want to put this out i i don't think it's gonna be like that either i I really don't i think um for for my opinion was more like going into this game i would have been like "Ah, this is probably the one that the niners are gonna drop because i i think the broncos like if you look at the roster and stuff i think they're really really good um 
KJ Hamler also was out last week. I don't know if he's going to be back. But if you're missing Hamler and Judy, all of a sudden that deep wide receiving core is Cortland Sutton and a couple guys that I'm, I'm be honest with you guys. I don't really know. I don't know who Tyree Cleveland is. I, I've never heard of this guy. I know uh, Hinton because uh, he played quarterback a couple years ago. That's the only reason I know him. But like the one of the strengths for the Broncos heading into the year was like, oh, dude, they're so deep at wide receiver. Like you got Tim Patrick, you got KJ Hamler. It's like you're three and four. That's crazy. Well, all of a sudden, if injuries start adding up, that's when the depth kind of becomes a, a question mark and it can happen so fast, which is a little bit scary. I don't have really that many question marks about the Broncos long term, as long as Nathaniel Hackett looks like 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 they know what they're doing and they, it looks like he can like knows that he can like lead this team. Um, because I do have question marks about that. Two weeks in, that it's so early that these can this could change in in a month, right? I could feel completely differently. Um, but just what I've seen early on, it's like kind of like a red flag mode. But the reason why I do like and also the the lines even by the way, Aiden. So. I, I think that's – I'd probably take Niners. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. Um, but the Broncos' defense is good. Uh, Bradley Chubb is a freaking monster, dude. Bradley Chubb is is a great player. But let's look at this defense, and it's kind of funny, dude. There's a lot of former 49ers. I don't know if you know this. Dude, they got they got Kwan Williams, DJ Jones. Um, Jonas Griffith is starting an inside linebacker, and I bring up him because – he was like a fifth stringer on the Niners, and he looked good. If you remember, we talked about him in preseason. I'm like, dude, this guy is flying around. All of a sudden, he's starting for the Broncos this week. Um, but their starting linebackers are Josie Jewell and Jonas Griffith. And their starting defensive line, I don't want to say it's bad. They have Randy Gregory and, and Bradley Chubb on the outside. I think that's pretty good. But interior-wise, Draymond Jones, Deshaun Williams, DJ Jones. I like DJ Jones a lot. I mean, we've talked we've talked about how underrated he is. That's a big advantage for the Niners run game. Like, if you're going up against linebackers that are Jonas Griffith and Josie Jewell, like they're gonna get into space. And Debo Samuel, like basically anyone that's in the Niners backfield, I think they're gonna have a big game. So if they're able to force Jimmy to really make a lot of plays, I think it could be a lot different. But you're gonna have to stack the box against the Niners. And the way that Ayuk has looked, the way that you're talking about Danny Gray being a deep shot guy, but like the way that some of these wideouts have looked, it's a much better room in that in that aspect too. So I think it's a pretty I think it's a I don't want to say like they're gonna blow them out. I don't think they're gonna blow them out. The Niners aren't gonna always be a team that just blows out teams just because they're in terms of the scoreboard, they're gonna run the football a lot and they're gonna try to eat up the clock. But I think that they should absolutely absolutely be able to do that in this one. We talk about it. 30 to 40 carries a game wins you almost every single football game. I don't know why they shouldn't be able to be effective running the football against those linebackers. So I think that's ultimately the biggest thing. I know Justin Justin Simmons was banged up, right? Is he is he out for a while? Because he's he's their second best defensive I'm player. Sure, third sure. player best. I think he's hurt right now too. Um, so I'll check on that. But I think defensively, I think the part that would be a little bit scary yeah. is Portland Sutton and he's Judy. On, he's on IR. Justin Simmons. That's huge. That's huge. Because he's a guy that will make an impact in both the passing and the and the running game. So, like him being out, if Pat Sertain is out too, like all of a sudden, yeah, you still have Bradley Chubb, like you still have your elite pass rusher, and you still have some solid pieces, I think, but it's like your defense doesn't look elite and your offensive offense has so many question marks early on in the year. So I think, dude, I think if you're a Broncos fan going in this one, I think you're kind of like shit, like this is not, this is a tough matchup. Like this is going to be a gritty performance and we're going to have to hang and kind of already beat up team is going to have to potentially get a little bit beat up even more because we've seen how physical the Niners get. So I don't know. What are like the, the areas that you're kind of highlighting for, for either team of like, okay, if you're going to win, you got to win like this, this area of the field or this kind of matchup. Yeah. I don't think any team, any coaching staff in, in the, the league wants to play the Niners when they're playing well given how physical they are, offensive, defensive line. Um, that's something that's always been a big part of the Shanahan uh, sort of scheme, uh, both offensively and defensively. The Niners feel that if they can control the line of scrimmage, like they're going to win the game no matter how good your skill guys are. Um, and, I mean, we've we've seen that o- over the past four or five years. Um, so, I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. Um I, th- I actually like this this Broncos defense. They've kept uh, this pretty 
anemic Broncos offense in a lot of games. Um, so if this Broncos offense is able to figure it out, um, they become a little bit more of a dangerous team. But um, you you talked about it a couple minutes ago, like this 49er secondary is substantially better than it's been probably at any point in the last three, four years. Um, and that's even with Jason Verrett out. Um, so when he comes back into the fold, like you have three quality starting corners uh, and that's not including Ambry Thomas, who started major games down the stretch last year and didn't look great during during training camp. True. But we've seen that he can do things in in this scheme. And you're, it's, it's not like throwing out um, Josh Norman last year. Uh, he's probably a step above that. Um, and Demo Lenore looks really, really good. Um, he's been making plays on special teams. He had a good training camp. He had a good preseason. Uh, haven't even said Samuel. Womack's name yet, uh, but he had a he he played pretty well uh, against the Seahawks this this past week. Um, and really, whenever your nickel guy uh, isn't getting talked about a ton, it's usually a pretty good sign. Um, so it means that he's he's locking down. So um, I mean, that's that's the part that I'm more that that I'm most excited about the the Four Niners defense moving forward. Just given that we haven't seen what they can do. Uh, what this pass rush can do when you have such uh, solid corners on the back end. And Mooney Ward, I think, is really, really good. If if you watched DJ Dallas through a horrible pass, but he never saw Mooney Ward because he played it really, really well. Um, so all, all, although that was a horrible play call, horrible idea, horrible execution, everything was bad and you deserve to get picked off, uh, I think Mooney Ward deserves a little bit of credit for uh, how he he played that. So um, I'm I'm excited to see how this secondary does against their first real sort of test. Even if they haven't um, looked great, this Broncos offense still has Russell Wilson, and he's done horrible things for the 49ers in the past. So um, it'll be good to see uh, if we can keep them on uh, sort of the struggle bus um, and the Niners uh, get get to two and one. Cause I think you and I both probably had them at two and one uh, going into week four. Um, and even with that horrible bears loss, as long as you beat the Broncos right now, I think you're still happy with, with where you are over the course of the season. Dude, hundred percent. And I feel like dude, the, the DJ Dallas pass, that was hilarious, but I was cracking up when he, that, that whole play design was, what is that dude? Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think another area for the Niners is like, they've also, played against really bad offensive lines. I, I like the Broncos offensive line a decent amount. Um, Garrett Bowles looked like horrible right after he got drafted and he's came around big time. Um, so I think their offensive line is pretty solid. The run game, you brought up Javante Williams. I didn't even get to him when, when after like I kind of talked last time. But dude, Javante Williams is a freaking monster, dude. They need to get him the ball a lot more than they are. That's one of the, the biggest things that they can do because Melvin Gordon has not been nearly as effective. Javante Williams looks like like a like a star in the making. Like he looks like he has a star running back, and he just he needs the ball more. That's honestly how I feel. So, I think like you got to be able to contain that that uh, that run game. But if you're able to do that, and it's really going to come down. I feel like this game is kind of going to come down to like if the Niners can take control in the trenches on offense and defense, they could like have a very comfortable win. And if they don't then you're going to result on playmakers from both sides to really take this game over the top. Um, also wonder if Kittle's going to be back. I have no idea at this point if he's going to be back. Hopefully that's the case because that changes the Niners' run offense so much, dude, in their play action, having Jimmy Garoppolo under center now um, to kind of attack the middle of the field and, and him to, to, to have some deep play ability with a guy that can just kind of be a yak monster in Kittle. So I think that helps the explosiveness of, the, of this offense tremendously as well. But I'm pumped for it, dude. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add on this game? No, I, I think that we've, we've sort of spoke, spoken about what, what we think it's going to look like. Um, I'm excited. It's a Sunday night game. I always love seeing those. Um, and hopefully the, the Niners are two and one going into week four, um, going into, I think that's, that's the Carolina game, uh, which with how Carolina looks, both you and I were, were pretty high on them before the season, but Looks like don't want to look too too far ahead, but looks like two winnable games um, on on the the calendar for the Niners. And after 
in 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 the aftermath aftermath of that Bears loss, if if you would have told me the Niners will be three and one, I I would have thought there was no chance. Um, so pretty excited for how it's turned out. Oh, Rams, Rams and then before. yeah, okay. So that that would be a tough game, but um, even then, it's a division game, and we've owned the Rams in the regular season. So um, excited to see how stuff looks moving forward. Maybe Kyle does some Jimmy different things. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But you talking about mobile it, Jimmy? Maybe, maybe some QB power Jimmy. Maybe he he just wants to shut some people up and say, "Hey, look, Jimmy's fine." Uh, and then Jimmy goes down. We got to turn to Brock Purdy, which would not be quite as good. But uh, yeah, excited um, to get it started. And yeah, I was gonna say score predictions for this uh, this Broncos Niners game. Um. I know it's impossible. We've called a couple of them yeah, over this podcast. Yeah. We've had some ones that are right on the money. I want to say, I want to say like 23-20. Niners win. Dude, that is exactly what I was thinking too. Literally the exact same score. I'm going 23 to 22. 23-20, like couple gross field goals where they should <laughs> should get touchdowns and the Broncos make it a game late, uh, but I think they should be able to pull it out, um, but it'll be tight. Final thing I'll add monster game from Debo. That's another thing I'm, I'm predicting in this one. I think Debo's going to go stupid in this game. So I'm, I'm hyped about that as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to do it, guys. Um, so thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next Monday, 9 a.m. Pacific time, to be talking about this Broncos game and also be looking ahead to that Rams game on the next Monday night as well. So thank you guys all for listening, and we'll be going live next Monday. Um, if you're listening to this in segment form, there's a full episode podcast that was posted this Monday, which is September 19th. Um, but with that said, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon.